0: People looking down on my Spanish a little bit. Oh, like, really? Um, yeah, for it not being you know Spanish, Spain Spanish, and um, and Latin American Spanish is, or the different types of Latin American Spanish there are, are very different in general. Mm. But I think even within Latin America, Dominicans are viewed as sort of like their Spanish is viewed as less, quote unquote, proper than, Um, you know, a lot of other countries. So, and also I had experiences that weren't like with anyone being mean, but like with people just not understanding what I was saying, because I was using a different word. Like, I remember I went to go buy a basket. And the way that I know how to say basket is canasta. That's how I've always said it. And but apparently they call it i think it's called a sista i think that's the like official name of it and so i was like trying to ask for a basket and i kept saying "ganasta, canasta canasta and they did not understand what i was saying mm. um so like little things like that also kind of came up sista sista is what it's called okay i just looked it up <laughs> you
1: come along with me? hello hello Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Concepcion as the guest. Concepcion is a writer, a reporter more specifically, she's written for various publications and currently is with the New York Times, has been there for quite a few years. And Concepcion is also a New Yorker with roots in the Dominican Republic. She was born in the Dominican Republic and then, at a very young age, moved to New York, where she was raised. And further on down the line, in undergrad, Concepcion decided to study Spanish and Chinese. And she then parlayed that into spending an entire academic year Abroad. So first, she spent a semester in Hangzhou, China, and then the following semester she spent in Madrid, Spain. So we talked about both of those study abroad trips that she did, her impressions of Hangzhou and Madrid, and also the places she went to outside of those cities. Also talked about why she chose to study those two languages specifically, uh, Spanish and Chinese, and. What I really appreciate about Concepcion is how yeah. upfront she is about the fact that she kind of struggled when uh, studying abroad. Even though that was something that she'd wanted to do, she was very intentional about going to two different countries and planning that out. But there was some culture shock and some loneliness that she didn't realize she wasn't prepared for until she was already in china and spain respectively so uh, you know she told me about how she balanced some of that hardship along with you know the typical wonderful things that people seek out of study abroad and have to say about studying abroad um, and also you know was very frank about maybe some supports that she could have used at the time but she didn't get or just hadn't thought to reach out for. So I hope that our conversation can be encouraging to anyone listening who has fears about getting out there in the world, Um, current global health crisis notwithstanding. Um, (laughs) Oh, it's not funny. Um, (laughs) But you know, if you have trepidations about studying abroad or just traveling in general or it takes you a longer time to adjust to change which is fine Um, or even dealing with perfectionism in certain aspects especially when it comes to language learning I think that this episode is for you and I hope that you will find what Concepcion has to say to be insightful so without further ado sit back relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Concepción de León. It's nice to meet you, first of all. (laughs) It's nice to meet you, too. Um, I appreciate you being interested in agreeing to be a guest on, on the show, uh, especially since I kind of reached out to you randomly. So um, <laughs> thanks for that. Sure. No worries. Yeah. So I guess we can go ahead and get started uh, okay. with you introducing yourself a bit, if you
0: don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Concepcion. I'm a reporter at the New York Times. I've been there for about four years. And, um, I was born in the Dominican Republic and raised in New York. And, um, yeah, I'm Dominican, obviously, because <laughs> I was born in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. That works. <laughs> and now I live in, and now I live in New York still. Yeah. So you've been in New York your whole
1: life, or you know, after you moved, you
0: for 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 most of it. So I came to the U.S. when I was around three years old. Okay. So I came when I was really young, and i I lived in Queens for um basically for my for the rest of the time that I was in the in in New York until I went up, went to college. Mm. And I actually went away to college to Iowa. I went to a school called Grinnell College, which is a small liberal arts school in kind of middle of nowhere Iowa wow. <laughs> um yeah and then after college came back to New York for a very short bit then went to Boston for also kind of a short bit like about a year and a half um and then I've been here ever since in New York okay so
1: yeah. like hopped around other places but you know you're back home in New York now for yeah a long haul or yeah
0: for now for yeah. now yeah
1: okay <laughs> cool is um Sorry, since you mentioned Iowa, I just wanted to ask, is, is it, the college you went to, is that in any way, like, near, um, it's literally the only thing I know about Iowa. The the
0: <laughs> writers workshop in Iowa. Oh really yeah, that's one. in Iowa yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's called the Iowa Writers Workshop, I believe. Okay. Um actually, so you were right. And um it's in Iowa City and so Grinnell the college is called Grinnell College and it was in the town of Grinnell. And Grinnell is about halfway, I would say literally halfway between Des Moines and um Iowa City. Okay. So it's a I I'm forgetting now how long that actually is. Maybe about an hour away from each. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> literally my only
0: only thing I know about Iowa is that right
1: is next there.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I I knew very little about Iowa when I went there. Yeah. I the only thing I knew was the capital because when I was younger, I remember I did an after school program or something and we all had to memorize capitals uh, or sorry, everyone. It was kind of like a talent show. Mm-hmm. And of course, I chose the nerdy one, which was like memorizing state capitals. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, and mine were I. And so I I, um, I, knew the capital of Iowa, but that's all I knew about it. So yeah. okay. it was definitely a big change.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine. You also went to... Is it Madrid and Hangzhou? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Hangzhou, yeah. Hangzhou, okay. Um yes, I went to both of those places when I was in college. So I I was a double major. I majored in Spanish and Chinese. And so I kind of finagled that into an excuse to go to two different countries for my study abroad. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, ended up spending a semester in in Hangzhou, China, where I was able to um, obviously spend time there, but also got to go to Hong Kong and some kind of smaller places, Shanghai and also some smaller towns surrounding um, the city where I was staying. Mm -hmm. And then um, came home for a little bit just for winter break and then went to Madrid and, um, that was cool. Cause I got to sort of travel all over Madrid, not all over Madrid, excuse me, all over Spain. Yeah. Um, like I went to Granada, which was the best. It's so beautiful. Um, and then Valencia for this like fire festival and Barcelona. And then, um, during spring break, we got to go to Italy, which was lovely. So it was, it was a really fun time. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Um, was, was Madrid, was that also a full semester? It was, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So you spent a year abroad, but in two different places. Exactly, yeah. Oh, cool. Wow. How did you land on, well, I mean, you're uh, from the Dominican, so I, I'm i assuming you maybe grew up speaking Spanish. Um, but uh, as far as like Chinese goes, like why, why were you interested in studying that language as well?
0: Um, so yeah, I am fluent in Spanish and my Spanish major was almost just a way for me to help my homesickness I think I really missed speaking Spanish I missed being around my family and at first when I got to college I remember people suggested I major in Spanish and I was like that makes no sense because I'm fluent <laughs> already like that would be a cop out blah 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 and um, but then I ended up taking one class my um, I think my ses- second semester first year and I was just like "Ah, oh, this is just so comforting like yeah. it just felt comforting so that was more of an I would say more of like an English major in a sense um, in the sense that it was a, a literature major, but it was in Spanish. Um, so I didn't have to take any of the introductory classes or anything like that. I just kind of went in and did the, the advanced classes because I already spoke the language. Um, and then Chinese, I... So I started taking Chinese in high school, which I s- am often very embarrassed to say because my Chinese is so bad now, oh. <laughs> um, or my Mandarin, I should say. But I I started taking it my first year in um, high school when I was a freshman because my school at the time only offered three languages. It was French, not French, excuse me. It was Latin, Spanish, and Chinese. Mm. And I they did this sort of like Goldilocks kind of thing in the beginning where they had you take two weeks of each language and then you could pick which one you wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I took Spanish and I was like, this is way too easy. And plus, like the teacher was white and did not speak like her Spanish, (laughs) like my Spanish was better than hers. So I was like, I can't, I can't um, justify this. And I remember during those two weeks that I was there, there were a few times where she was like asking me how to say things. And I was like, yeah, no. So I was like, this is too easy. And then I took Latin and I was like, this is just really, really hard for no reason. So I I was like, I don't think I would want to do this. And then I took Chinese and it was like, it was challenging, but it was a fun challenge, you know, and it was something that felt more, like something I could grasp and also use in the future. My dad always wanted me to be some kind of like international businesswoman. So um, he was really excited that I was taking Chinese. So I'm sure his influence kind of pushed me in that direction as well. Um, But anyway, so I took I took that for four years and or maybe three years. I think there was one year I didn't take it, but I took took it for three years in high school. And then it kind of just felt like, why not? You know, like why? Why lose something that you already worked three years on? You know, it's such a valuable language. And so I decided to keep going and I ended up double majoring in it and um and studying abroad in China.
1: Yeah. Well I guess first of all, the semester each that you spent in, in China and then in Spain, was that mm-hmm. through your university or did you have to find another program or university to go through to do that?
0: Yeah. No, it was through another program. I think the first one, the the one in China or I know that the first one, the one in China, was through Middlebury. It was through one of their language programs. And then the second one in Madrid was through IES, I believe, which I, I don't remember what that stands for. Okay. Um, I'm guessing international something. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so so it was through separate programs outside of my school. My school doesn't have their own kind of, like, outpost outposts in other countries that I know of, at least. Mm. I could be wrong about that.
1: Okay. Since these were, like language majors was study abroad required for your for your degree
0: Mm, i don't think it was required okay um just something you wanted to do yeah it was definitely just something i wanted to do i mean like why not travel for free essentially which was well in my case right i don't know other people have different situations but in my case like my financial aid just transferred over to my study abroad and i was like if i could be in madrid for like and and also um there was like money left over that i could use as like spending money mm-hmm. so it just kind of felt like why would you say no to that you know right yeah to such an adventure
1: makes makes total sense yeah and yeah. like you and it, you get to spend an entire year away but experience
0: yeah two countries and yeah that's yeah, it was me. fun. I had okay. to. I had to write a whole proposal about it because, you know, if you're going to go to two different places, they kind of want to know why. Hmm. Um, though in hindsight, I kind of wish that I had stayed in China the whole year rather oh. than going to Spain. Why yeah, that? because I think that when you're studying a language, in my in my um, opinion, you get to a certain point where. Okay. So in the beginning, I feel like you're just kind of learning how to learn the language, like learning the rules of it, learning like even if you don't know a word, how to figure it out. It's kind of how people look at like the roots of like the Latin roots of certain English words in order to kind of get its meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other languages have that as well. And Chinese has that too. Um, they have something called radicals, which are kind of like the roots of the language mm-hmm. and and they're parts of the characters um, that kind of give you a hint at what it might mean. And so I I feel like the the beginning of like learning the language is just that aspect of it, kind of like learning the fundamentals so that you could grow from there. Mm -hmm. And when I was in school, I don't really think, I think it's very hard to learn a language unless you're in a place where you're immersed in it. And so when I was in school, I think that I, a lot of it to me felt like um, and this isn't saying anything about my school or my teachers. they were they were lovely, but just about like the way that languages are taught. I think that it felt, um like I was still learning to learn the language. Mm. And then when I got there to China, I was like, okay, now I actually have to speak this language and like make conversation and order coffee and like Mm -hmm. order, you know, fried rice or whatever it is that I wanted. Um, And that's a different thing. And I think that's, that accelerates learning a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I think I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm like, I I learned enough of the basics where like speaking it was easier and then I left, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think if I had spent more time in that space where I was, um, I was more comfortable in the language and I could just speak it more fluently, but also just like with more understanding. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would have been a lot more fluent right now, but sadly that that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I remember this moment in, um, when I was in China and my Chinese teacher was trying to teach us how to say America. She, she said that everyone always said America wrong. Mm. Um, and she would always like say it like, Mei Gua, Mei Gua Like she would like kind of force us to to exaggerate the intonations or the mm-hmm. tones. And then there was one day when I said it and I, I was just kind of speaking it in conversation and she was like, Oh my god, you said it right. Like it was it was such an exciting moment. Yeah. Um and I think <laughs> that having more moments like that would have been nice. So that's why I say that I would have preferred to stay there for a year, just so I could actually be fluent in Chinese. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel you. Was there any particular reason why you chose, like, Hangzhou and Madrid specifically? Like, those those particular cities to
0: mm-hmm. to live and study in? Yeah. Um, I wanted to be in a smaller city. I thought that it would be more manageable and would make it so that I was forced to be immersed in the language mm-hmm. also, as opposed to a city like Beijing or Shanghai, where you have a lot of people that, that speak English, probably. Um and so that was a part of it. And then I also really wanted to do it through Middlebury, um, because I had always heard about how great their language programs were. And mm-hmm. um, when I was applying to school, that was one of the schools that I was looking at specifically for their language programs. It, it was kind of just something that I, I knew I wanted. And so when it came time to look at programs, their programs are all in those kind of mid-sized cities. Um, as as far as I remember, I don't know if that's changed, mm-hmm. and I might be wrong about that. But what I remember is it being like one program in Hangzhou and another one in Nanjing, which was in the north. And so at the end, it kind of became a question of like, do I want to be in the north where it's cold or like in the south where it's warm? So I chose the south. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had the same the same decision in Madrid. I should have gone to (laughs) Granada. Was it not warm enough in Madrid? (laughs) No, it was cold. (laughs) That and also it's just not... I don't know. It's weird. I feel like often when you go to warm places, Mm. the people are warm too. You know, Mm. it sort of changes the vibe of the place. Like people are more friendly and open and, and, you know, whatever. And that was my experience when I went to Granada. And Madrid was lovely. I had a a good time there. But I think it's definitely more of like a cosmopolitan city versus a sort of smaller city with a little bit more um, personal character. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
1: Before you actually went, um, you know, basically went on this year abroad, I know you originally came from the Dominican Republic, but were you able to visit the, the Dominican Republic in that time since you relocated or travel
0: anywhere else outside the country before you studied abroad? Um, so I actually went right before I studied abroad. I think I spent the summer in DR. Okay before I went and I studied abroad, but growing up I didn't because I was, I was undocumented for a really long time. And so, yeah, so I couldn't travel back to the Dominican Republic until I couldn't, I didn't until I was 17. And that was when my dad had become a citizen and was petitioning for me. And so I had to go back to the Dominican Republic and uh, kind of just deal with the whole immigration process. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, a few months of my senior year of high school. Um, and then, but then after that, I got my permanent residency and then later became a citizen. So like after I turned 18, I was able to go back to DR a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wouldn't go. Now I go maybe twice a year, but before, you know, I was a student, I wasn't making a ton of money. So mm-hmm. I would go maybe like once a year or once every one and a half years. But yeah, so, so before I went to China and Spain, I had visited DR, but very recently because I had been undocumented before that. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I mean, it sounds like you're very, like, you know, very intentional about studying abroad and and choosing where you wanted to go. So, I mean, did you have any concerns about being away for a year? Or was it just like, I don't know, or were you just ready to embrace, you know, the
0: adventure that you were about to go on? Yeah. I didn't have any concerns, but I should have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had, like, extreme culture shock when i got to both china and spain like Mm -hmm. i didn't realize at the time how much i value like my home and being at home Mm -hmm. and so um it was really hard for me i mean i'm i was also very i don't think shy was the word but Maybe just more insecure. Mm-hmm. and so I was really shy to li- like in China, I was really shy to speak to people because I was afraid of making mistakes. And like maybe a perfectionist is more of <laughs> the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so I, I was I wasn't practicing as much as I should. I wasn't going out as much as I could I could, except like you know maybe halfway through I sort of became more comfortable. Um, and which is also why I say that I wish I had stayed there for a year. Cause I think it took me like half of the program to just be comfortable. Yeah. And then the second half, I felt like I was, I was, uh, improving so quickly and then, you know, time passed and I had to go. Mm. Um, but so yeah, so no concern, but definitely should have had them. And I wish that I had had someone to speak to me about just how these things go and what to expect. You know, China was, both places were really difficult, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I experienced like race, I don't want to say racism, but like racial insensitivity Mm. in a way that I hadn't before. And, and that wasn't the only reason, you know, I think it's also like you're around new people and there's a certain level of like feeling very uh, lonely and isolated. And it's just, it's a hard time, you know? Um, and I think if you don't have a lot of guidance through it, then it can be difficult And that was, that was my experience.
1: Right. Oh man. I'm sorry that you, you know, kind of struggled in that way. Um, was, what was it, do you think that made you or helped you be more comfortable? Was it just time and getting used to being there?
0: Yeah, I think it was just time and getting used to being there and getting better at the language. Um, I think that, again, I'm, I'm such a perf- perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I was just like, let me sit in my room and study until <laughs> I have. Kept- perfected this and like watch Taiwanese dramas and like practice my pronunciation until it's perfect. And then I can like go out into the world and like meet people and it'll be fine, you know? You sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) So you understand. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that, that was kind of how I was where in hindsight, it's like, well, if you, when I did start going out and talking to people, et cetera, I noticed Mm. that I was improving so much more quickly because Obviously, like you're using language, it's, it's a different experience. Um, So, so yeah, I I think I just like, I think it was a hard time for me. But I also, um, I'm glad that I did it. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: maybe it's uh, unpleasant to talk about. So if you don't want to, that's fine. But you mentioned like, dealing with racial insensitivity. I'm wondering if that was like, from local people, or perhaps the other students that you were
0: yeah, with,
1: I don't know if you have part of a cohort or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Not the other students that I was with. It was from the local people. Mm. And the reason I call it racial insensitivity and not racism is because I always hesitate to sort of, like, cast that on people mm. who just grew, like, if you grow up in a neighborhood or not in a neighborhood, but in a country where, like, everyone kind of looks like you to a degree, then it's really strange and, like, kind of... um foreign to see someone that looks different. And so I don't think, at least in my experience, I don't think any of it was ever like we hate you because you're black. It was more like, Oh my God, you're black. I'm so curious about that. Like what, what's up with your hair? Like I'm so conf- They were just confused. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I experienced in China was like just confusion. And I remember one time I was walking down the street and like, there was a bus passing by me and I just saw everyone on the bus just like looking at me as oh I passed by, you know? <laughs> um, and then one time there was a, I went into like a, a shop or something and they were, I, my Chinese was like, so, so at the time, and so they were asking me a question and I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I, I know they were asking me, like, are you something? But I was like, I didn't know what the something was. And then afterward, I asked my roommate and she was like, oh, they were asking if you're African. And mm. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, you know, because the the people who are black there are immigrants from Africa. Mm, right. Right? And so it was kind of just like things like that. Um where people were just kind of curious, you know, they were curious about everything about me. In Spain, it was weird because there it was more like racism. Like mm. I, the first time I've ever been followed around in the store was in Madrid. I've never, ever had that happen to me. And I think partly that's because I was raised in New York and I think New York is a city and it's very, um, diverse. And I think that it's easy to live in sort of enclaves here where if you don't, like I, when I was growing up, I wasn't going to the stores on fifth Avenue, you know? So, yeah. that, so I wouldn't be exposed to people who might be suspicious of me. You know, yeah. I was going to like Jamaica Ave, which is a, a big, like a boulevard by my house. That's more like, uh, you know, it it's like, I mean, it's the hood. Like <laughs> that's where I grew up, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's I wasn't experiencing that in my neighborhood um and so it wasn't until I I left that I was like oh weird like I've heard about people experiencing this but I've never actually had it happen to me so that was really strange um and then I had someone like just go come up and touch my hair during a food like a a festival that I went to Mm. I'd never had that happen to me either like it was just a lot of stuff like that you know yeah um but again like to to me in my in in my personal experience that wasn't like that wasn't like a damper on my trip like it didn't ruin my trip or anything i didn't experience it all the time but it was just something i noticed because i i wasn't so used to being noticed yeah. when i'm walking down the street and i think that because i was going to places where again like there isn't as much diversity people notice me because i look different
1: mm. so yeah. so like when you experience those things did you well, like you said, you didn't let it ruin your experience. So, did you kind of just shrug it off, or did you have to kind of, I don't know, think or talk yourself through it so so it didn't bother you too much?
0: Mm. Um, I think that I think at the time I wasn't I, I just wasn't thinking about it so much. Like Mm. it happened and I was like, that's weird. Like, why would you come up and touch my hair? Like weird, you know? (laughs) So that was kind of more my reaction to it. Mm. Um, I don't think that it carried enough weight at the time for me that I was like, you know, really thinking about like, it it didn't feel like something I was overcoming or something that, you know, something that was in my way. Mm. And I think I, I saw it more, like I mentioned earlier, as like, oh, these people are curious about me, which to me was so strange. Like, why would you be so curious about me? Um, but I also like, it's like, I'm, I'm from the Dominican Republic. And whenever, like, I remember, um, my family's from like a small countryside in the Dominican Republic. And we sometimes have people from good, um, not goodwill. What's that international organization that sends, peace something uh peace corps peace corps yes okay <laughs> sense yeah so they send people from the peace corps to my to the community where like my grandma lives and stuff mm. and i had never seen white people there ever and neither had you know really anyone else that lived there and so when people when they would walk by it would be like stairs and like you know, things like that. So it's just kind of someone foreign that you're just like, oh, you look super different from mm-hmm. people here. So I think that the things that happened to me felt more in along that vein, except for, except for like being followed around in the store. I was like, that was really weird. Yeah. Um, it just kind of felt like, I don't know, just being in a space where you're, you just stick out like a sore thumb, yeah. you know? That experience of just like being foreign, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, being foreign, yeah. and because I'm from, again, I'm because I'm from New York City, mm-hmm. and lived in a cultural enclave where like everyone was Dominican or Puerto Rican or sort of people who looked and sounded like me. Um, I just I wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm. It was it was strange, but yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. I I I have not been to China, uh, mm-hmm. but. You know, they're a country with a lot of, like, major cities in it. Some names might be recognizable. But I don't actually think I'm familiar with Hangzhou at all. So I'm wondering if you could describe what kind of place it is from your experience.
0: Yeah. Um, It is – so Hangzhou is a mid-sized city. I I don't know, like, how many people it has or anything like that. But it's known for this, like, big, beautiful lake that it has – I don't know. It's like a very sort of like walkable, livable city. We spent a lot of time like going to karaoke and like going to clubs there. There were like little clubs you could go to or not little clubs, like clubs. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, like there was a lot of street food and um, I was on a college campus. So a lot of the time I I spent a lot of time on the campus, like Mm -hmm. going to the cafe, the cafeteria and like um, the shops that are that were sort of situated near there. But yeah, I mean, I honestly like my most of my memories from China are about the food because <laughs> I loved the food so much. And I remember, you know, when I was in this funk and I first got there um, and I was like going through culture shock and like, you know, just really uh, just really struggling to kind of get out there. I remember we all went out to this group dinner and it was like. I saw stars. Like everything opened up around me. Like it was just so funny. Um, and so a lot of my great memories from China are, have to do with kind of just eating really delicious food. Um, but yeah, Hangzhou is a lovely city. Um, I'm I'm feel like I'm not describing it well, but I can't really think of what to say about it. That's okay. Um, and also, I feel like a lot of the time that I was out, I was mostly leaving Hangzhou because we we had a lot of excursions. Like. To other places, like we went to Shanghai and mm-hmm. um and kind of like nearby smaller, more rural areas. Yeah. So uh, do you remember since food
1: played such a big part in your time there, do you remember if you had any favorite dishes?
0: Um let me think. There were the – there was, like, a cucumber salad sort of thing that was really, really good. Mm. I don't know what – I wish I knew what they put in it. I don't cook, so <laughs> – I mean, I cook, but I'm, like, not good at it, so I wouldn't be able to pick up on what's in there kind of thing. Mm. Um, But there was just, like, a lot of, like, saucy meats. Like, a lot of the things that we eat here, like, the sort of, you know, sweet and sour chicken or, like, rice and – um, what do you call it? Like, the cu- a cucumber salad – And I I just had never... I guess the only Chinese food I'd ever had was takeout. Mm. So I didn't realize that there was just this, like, broad range of Chinese food that was so good and Mm. just, like... I don't know. It just, it tasted really, 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 really delicious. Um, there's one particular, there was like a cookie that I really like, Oh, a green tea cookie. That's another thing that, yeah, there were green tea cookies that we had, um, in that first dinner that I described where I was like, I saw stars and everything. (laughs) We had those cookies and I was like, this is it. Um, so that stuff. And then there was, um, a lot of street food, Though now, oh my God, I have terrible memories. So now I'm trying to remember the stuff that we ate. But yeah, I can't, I can't remember a lot of specifics, but just sort of like the meat, it's all like meats and rice and like veggies. um, But it's just so deliciously seasoned. Mm.
1: So yeah, I'm just, (laughs) I'm I'm just really amused by that because, you know, I, I feel like when people go somewhere new, they have, they find something to, how can I say, like, helps. familiar to latch onto, to? Yeah, so, yeah, something to, like, I, I guess act as um, an anchor, help familiarize them with the, the, the location or the culture. So I'm glad that food was able to play that role for you.
0: There was also, like, this mango – this wasn't, like, a, a gourmet dish or anything, but there was this mango smoothie – Um, that I used to buy every day. It came in a, in a, in a bottle and it had like mango chunks in it. It was Mm. so delicious. I'm sure it was like not good for me at all, but I (laughs) eat it every day. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, some things are just for the enjoyment, and that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, like, when I was there, I ate a lot of, like, Snickers. I don't even ch- like chocolate that much, but it was, like, the one thing that felt really familiar from home. Yeah. So, I got really into Snicker bar- Snickers bars <laughs> when I was feeling homesick.
1: Oh, yeah. Um. You mentioned being on a, a, camp- a college campus. So... I don't know if maybe if there was anything in place for you all to interact with local Chinese students or mm-hmm. Chinese people more generally. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering how, like, when you were able to, how, how you interacted with people beyond, like, the students in your classes or in your cohort.
0: Yeah. So, we actually each had Chinese roommates. Oh, so okay. Yeah. So, there were an equal number of Chinese students and... American students in our dorm Mm. Um, But we didn't interact with other students so like students outside of our dorm like the the Chinese students We interacted with were mostly just the people that we were rooming with Mm. but it was great We all like went out together and obviously it was great for practice because you always had like a Chinese speaking person That was there with you and we definitely got to interact with Chinese people in that way Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of that not so much Mm. I mean, outside of the opportunities you created for yourself, obviously, was like going out and like, and also like our teachers were Chinese. Um, but we weren't interacting with like, we weren't going to like dorm parties or anything like that, if that's what you mean. <laughs> but we would have our own dorm parties with like the Chinese students that lived with us. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And I mean, you were there for, to study the language. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember what level you were at or what level you were trying to get to during
0: that semester yeah um i think that i was probably like intermediate level when i got there in terms of reading and writing i've always been better at reading and writing than i have been at speaking because again i'm like so shy about it (laughs) um and mandarin is hard because um it has four tones and so like there are things you can say in different tones that will be a completely different word depending on how you say it (laughs) um and so i struggled with that a lot um But I think that I I was just trying to get better at speaking. So, so I would say my, my reading and writing was like intermediate. And then my speaking was probably more like high beginner in Mm -hmm. a way. And I think by the time I left, my speaking was probably intermediate level. Um, but then I went to Spain and then took no Chinese classes until the next semester, the next year, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, it felt like I wasn't able to kind of keep a lot of the, the, the progress that I had made. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, yeah. Okay.
1: You mentioned going to other other cities as well. Is, is there anything you remember from those other places you went to that sticks out as really memorable?
0: Yeah. We, um, the group of students that I was with, the American students and I, at one point wanted to do, we were like, let's do like a hangover style night in Shanghai. <laughs> so, we like took the bus there. I mean, it took the train there, excuse me. There was like a high-speed train. And... Got there, you know, one night and then we were like, we're just gonna spend the whole night there and take the. Us back in the morning. Like we didn't, I mean the train back in the morning, we didn't get, we didn't get a hotel or anything. Hmm. And I remember it just being the wildest night. First of all, I was so extra at this time. So I was wearing heels. Oh. I was wearing like five inch heels. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And then, um, or no, sorry. I had, I had a like regular shoes, but I had broad five, five inch heels to go to the club with oh, or nice. to go out with. You were um, ones. and obviously no one, no one else was wearing heels. It was so unnecessary. <laughs> um, but yeah, we like, like, I remember there was like a dance battle between the student, the American students and these like Chinese, um, people that were there. And I remember having a conversation with one of the white guys that was in my group about race, like a drunken conversation, but mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember the details of it right now. Mm. And at one point we were like sitting in a park, like pre-gaming and then a monk, like a guy with a monkey came over and we were like playing with the monkey. It felt very, it was very hangoverish yeah, because like uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we all had a hangover the, the next day. Um, so there was that, but that, that definitely stands out. And then, um, I remember staying in this hostel in, in Hong Kong and having it be like really, really high up on like a mountain or something or mm. – I don't know. Hong Kong is very hilly and so um, it was just kind of high, high ele- highly elevated and we were sleeping in these little cots. I don't know. We were like surrounded by trees I remember like little things like that. I, I again, I, I have poor memory, so I okay. don't remember like every detail of my trip. I don't remember the restaurants that I ate at. Like I'm always super impressed when people remember specific details like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just remember moments. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. that's that's completely fine. I mean, you're remembering plenty. Just for me listening to you, it seems like you remember quite a lot. So that's you know, it's that's all right. nice to hear. <laughs> um. Oh, and, and in terms of, like, homesickness, I know you said you felt, like, kind of shy or at least, like, I guess perfectionism kind of got in the way sometimes of, like, communicating with people or going out and interacting with people. Um, I'm wondering if you were able to – since you were gone for an entire semester, were you able to make friends –
0: Mhm yeah I was I I think the group in China there were so few of us there were only like 10 or 11 of us mm. so we were kind of all friends you know mm. um not like best friends but we, we were friends while we were there yeah. um and there were actually a few people from my school that I was able to get, get closer to and then in Spain um I also made several friends that that were good friends. I think, you know, you, you sort of end up in different parts of the country and in different places. And so I don't think there's anyone that I keep in touch with regularly, but, but, you know, you, uh, you like keep in touch over Facebook and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. I'm glad that, you know, you had, um, uh, a good rapport with the people around you. Cause yeah. that helps. Yeah, I
0: definitely did.
1: Yeah. Um, in terms of Spain, w- was that, Because you mentioned your degree was kind of like more so like literature as opposed to learning the Mm -hmm. language since you already knew the language. So when you were Mm -hmm. in Spain, was that a language focused program or was that about something else?
0: Uh, The Spain program, um, it was similar. It was like they had a language. I mean, by the time you got to Spain, right, we were like I was a junior, I think, when I went. So they're assuming that you already have a certain level of language uh, of knowledge um, I think there's probably like certain requirements for like how many ta- classes you had to take before so no one was taking like beginner Spanish you know um, so all the classes were like subject classes so I remember I took one about like Spanish literature and um, another about like, like a, uh, I forget there was one class that was a language class There was like a theater class. So you, so you just kind of chose the subject and they were all in Spanish. Um, I took one college class, but I didn't make any friends there. It wasn't a very, um, I don't know. It didn't feel like I would only go like once a week and then leave. So it it wasn't really that easy to, to make friends with people. Um, but um yeah does that answer your question?
1: It does it does <laughs> okay good you're you're obviously uh, grew up speaking Spanish you're like a native Spanish speaker um, yeah. but I'm, I'm wondering if when you were in Madrid or I guess Spain more generally if, if you noticed any significant differences between like Dominican Spanish and like Spanish as it's used and spoken in Spain
0: or mm-hmm. you know oh yeah for sure um, there was definitely a big difference. And that was another thing. I think that people aren't, I don't know. I, I experienced, I guess I should say some kind of people looking down on my Spanish a little bit. Oh, like, really? Um, yeah. For it not being, you know, Spanish, Spain, Spanish and, um, and Latin American Spanish is, or the different types of Latin American Spanish there are, are very different in general. Mm. But I think even within Latin America, Dominicans are viewed as sort of like, more like their Spanish is viewed as less quote unquote proper than yeah. you know a lot of other countries so yeah there were definitely moments where like I felt like even my host's mom was kind of like laughing at the way that I said things like she wasn't doing it maliciously but I think she was just kind of like amused by this sort of Spanish <laughs> that I spoke mm. so and also I had experiences that weren't like with anyone being mean but like with people just not understanding what I was saying because I was using a different word like I remember I went to go buy a basket. And the way that I know how to say basket is canasta. That's how I've always said it. Mm. And But apparently they call it, I think it's called a cesta. I think that's the like official name of it. Mm. Um, and so I was like trying to ask for a basket. And I kept saying canasta, canasta, canasta. And they did not understand what I was saying. Mm. Um, so like little things like that also kind of came up. Okay. Cesta. cesta is what it's called. Okay. I just looked it up.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah, because I, I, hmm. yeah, I guess that's something I wonder about sometimes. Like in terms of like colonial languages, where it's like there's British English, and then there's English spoken here in the states, and how those differ, or like French in France versus French in like Quebec or something like that. So, yeah, I was just curious just to see if there was any similar relation between you know Dominican Spanish and Spanish. spoken
0: in spain um yeah i mean there's more similar like it's basically the same thing everyone could understand what i was saying it's just that there were certain words and also the accent is different um and also in spanish uh, dominicans some some dominicans tend to sort of cut their words and so there was a little bit of that so i think that there is some kind of like i don't know like i think some spanish people do kind of look down on the kind of spanish that i speak um mm. and i experienced that there but it wasn't again it wasn't this kind of like big part of my experience that ruined everything yeah it was just kind of things i've noticed
1: mm. okay I, you stay with the host mom was this for the entire
0: semester yeah yeah okay. i did all right how, how did that go it went well um she wasn't a very she was kind of just like I'll make you dinner. (laughs) Like her, I think that they kind of like require you to feed your, um, the people that are staying with you. Mm. And, um, she, she was fine, but it wasn't like, she was like, let me show you around Madrid. Like, tell me what you need. It was kind of just like, she would sit down for dinner with us sometimes. And often she would just kind of make us dinner. I was staying with one other girl. Mm. Often she would just kind of make us dinner and then like come home later sort of thing Hmm. so it didn't feel like I was living with a family per se or anything like that Hmm. um but I did I did have a host mom yeah okay so you had host mom and then you had
1: uh, another student who was there with you okay um and so when you were going to class was this at like a local campus somewhere
0: in Spain it was yeah it was at a, a campus it was at. um was that college called Universidad Complutense de Madrid? I believe okay. is what it's called. Um and it is the place where I was staying the, ha- the apartment I was staying in was about a 20 minute walk so often I would just walk there like a 20 minute walk or like a one stop train ride. Mm. Um but yeah so it was, it was it was I think it's one of the biggest universities if not the biggest in Madrid. Okay. Not yeah. Much.
1: I know like Madrid was not warm enough for you. <laughs> but uh it wasn't too bad. It do was you feel just. Like you I would rather be warm. I would rather be warmer. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you? What What was your impression of the city like overall? Did you have some things that you really liked about it, or or was it just okay?
0: Yeah, um, there was a park called El Parque Retiro, um, or El Parque del Retiro. I'm not sure which what's the proper name, but that park I really liked. I It's kind of like the Central Park of Madrid, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I mean, I just love parks and I like being outdoors. So it was nice. That was really nice. Um, but mostly what I enjoyed was the other places I got to go. So I remember we went to Valencia. It was a quick maybe overnight or two-day trip or something like that. And mm-hmm. there was this fire festival going on where they would make these huge paper mache sculptures or, or you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and like the one that I, that stands out in my mind is one that was making fun of the United States. And it was like (laughs) this huge uncle Sam with like hamburgers and like some guy like passing through the metal detector, like naked. So it was kind of this parody of the U S and then (laughs) at a certain time, maybe it was midnight or 8 PM. I forget exactly when, but they would just burn them all. So it was kind of like a huge bonfire throughout the city. Wow. Um, so that was, that was amazing. And then. Um, I loved Granada because it was just, there was a lot of kind of Islam and Muslim influence in the, or I should say Arabic influence more, more accurately. Mm -hmm. And so the architecture was really beautiful. Um, there was this really lovely palace called, um, Alhambra, La Alhambra. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just, it's just stunning, you know, things, I love things like that. And then I remember one time we went to this place called San Sebastian and, um, um, Bilbao and San Sebastián and we went to go see like this huge castle that was like they, that the tour guides told us was what the Disney ca- castle was inspired by and mm. um, just beautiful waterfronts and like, fishing towns um, oh no I'm confusing that that was that was in Portugal excuse me we went to this really lovely fishing town mm. but um, yeah so I think that what I what I appreciated most about Madrid and being in Spain was just being able to travel to so many other places and like experience, experience all these different types of cities. You know, I, I thought, I used to think that every city looked like New York (laughs) Mm. because I grew up here and I, I, and then I went to Des Moines or not to Des Moines, but to Iowa. And I remember our first trip to Des Moines. I was so excited because I expected a place like New York city and I got there and I was like, what is this? Like, this feels (laughs) like the suburbs. (laughs) Um, and I, yeah, so I was very confused. So it was interesting after that to kind of see how different cities are constructed and, Mm -hmm. um, and what they have to offer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm glad that you got that exposure. That's great. You went to Portugal as well. Was there anywhere else in Europe that you went or was it mostly Spain? And then,
0: Portugal? yeah, it was Spain. I went to Spain. Um, I went to, um, so like various cities in Spain, I went to Lisbon and Portugal, and then in Italy, I went to Venice, Pisa, Rome, and. Was it just those three? It might have been just those three places. I feel like there's a place I'm missing, but those are the ones that are popping up in my head right now. Mm. Okay. Oh, oh, Cinque Terre. Um, it's kind of like the Amalfi, co- the Amalfi Coast.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so you got to like. Well, I mean, you had the time, yeah. If you were there for an entire semester, you had the time to, you know, just.
0: Yeah. To other places
1: and explore.
0: Yeah, well, all those places in Italy were during spring break. I think we had like a week or something. Mm. And we went to, um, I remember we went to the, um, the Vatican when we were in Rome. And um, there were a lot of people there. And at one point there was like this guy in white passing by and I was like, who's that? And it was the Pope. (laughs) And, um, I had like, I, my family's Catholic, but I'm such a failed Catholic. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't even realize that it was the Holy week. And so like Easter and and Holy week. And so he was giving a mass because it was like maybe the Friday before Saturday before Easter or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's going on? And my friend was like, girl, it is literally about to be Easter. (laughs) Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Um, the Vatican was really beautiful. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I love Europe so much and going to these places. there's just so much history, you know, Yeah. the U S is obviously that has so many beautiful places as well, but it's just such a much more new country. Mm-hmm. And so you just don't get the same sense of history that you do when you go to other places.
1: Yeah. No, I, I feel that I, I totally get what, what, where you're coming from with that. I can't believe I did. I've, didn't ask earlier, but, um, how did your family feel about you deciding to study abroad and and going away for so long? Did your family feel any type of way about that?
0: Um, they were excited. My dad, my dad didn't get to go to school for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has just a middle school education. And so education is really important to him. Like he, it was always really important for for him to meet for me to have an education and like take it seriously and be exposed to all these things so I don't think that even though my dad was very very strict when I was growing up and I was very sheltered he didn't show any resistance to that because to him anything that was kind of advancing me further toward you know my goal whatever that might be but just yeah. like the goal of graduating the goal of like being a professional like you know whatever it was that was was good to him so mm-hmm. um, and I my, my mom wasn't my mom lives in the Dominican Republic so I wasn't raised with her mm. um and so pretty much it was just my dad okay yeah
1: oh that's right cuz you you said he he had wanted you to be an international businesswoman so yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so like,
0: kind of setting a broad lens lens well to uh, right exactly i mean direction. really he just wanted me to make money so <laughs> um and then i went into journalism and he was like um are you sure you don't want to be an engineer <laughs> Oh my goodness.
1: Did you already um, know you wanted to be a writer, be a journalist when you were in school, or was this something that came along later?
0: I think I knew deep down. I just didn't think I could do it. Mm. And so I kept on doing things to try to get closer to it, but not actually do it. You know what I mean? Because I was just like, oh, I. Well, first, my my dream before was to be – I wanted to be a book editor. That was, like, my thing. And so – but it was really because I want to write books. And I, But I was like, I probably can't write books, so I'll just be a book editor. Um, And when I graduated college, I was, like, applying to all these jobs and they were kind of just going into a black hole, black hole of the internet. Like, I wasn't hearing back at all. Um, And then I ended up taking this job at this international company or international consulting company that was a Chinese company, which was – which was cool because I got to use my Chinese there and Mm. then afterward I was like I really want to try this book editing thing again so I did a postgrad degree or a postgrad program rather um, for publishing and media and then that's when I got into journalism because it was half book publishing and half media Mm. and so that when they were doing the book publishing part I was like oh this is cool but like I don't want to work for a year and a half on a book like editing a book you know Mm. (laughs) and then the media people came and they were more just like It just felt like there was more of a higher generation of ideas and it felt more exciting to me. Um, So I switched to that. And then I got my first, you know, let's say break as an editor. Well, I I was an intern for a while at New York Magazine, which um, was my first kind of quote unquote break. Mm. Um, And then I became an editorial assistant at Glamour Magazine and stayed there for a little bit um, for maybe like a year and a half. And then I freelanced for a while and then I landed at the New York Times. Wow. as a writer, um, okay. which I did not expect. But but you're here. That's, but I'm here. That's yeah, where you are
1: now. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to do, or like you said, you weren't sure if you'd be able to do it, but um, you're doing it now anyway, and that's, that's yeah. really inspiring to hear. So thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned using your Chinese at, at um, the company you worked for. I'm wondering, since you mentioned how maybe it's kind of a bummer with your Chinese not being as good as it could have been or used to be, if, if there's any way that you still try to, I don't know, incorporate that in your life or, or keep that proficiency up on your own?
0: Um, I I took like a Chinese class last year for a few weeks, but not really, to be honest. I definitely want to. It's like one of those things that's on my bucket list, um, but... I, I don't I don't practice it as often as I should.
1: Yeah. Well that's fair. I just I was just curious. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But um okay. So it sounds like you had like a really good time in China and, and in Spain respectively. I'm wondering if there's like anywhere else you think you might like to go in the future? Or maybe you'd like to return back to spain and china i don't know but um i guess as far as yeah. future travels go and a future where traveling is uh safer to do <laughs> where do you think yeah, you'd yeah. like to go
0: <laughs> i have a lot of places i'd like to go i i have a hard time with travel because i feel guilty spending money on things that feels feel like luxuries mm. um just from like you know growing up poor and just feeling like every Everything that you say, you spend, you should, or excuse me, everything that you make, you should either save or put toward like a productive purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't done as much traveling as I would like, um, though I did go, I went to Colombia a few years ago, which was fun. And I went to London and to, yeah, I think those are just the two places and maybe a few other places. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'd like to go, yeah, I'd like to explore more of Latin America. I want to go to Machu Picchu, I want to go to the Galapagos in Ecuador. Um, I want to go to, I heard Bolivia is really beautiful and Mexico. I've never been to Mexico, which is kind of wild. I've never been to Puerto Rico. (laughs) Mm. Um, I haven't touched Africa. I really want to go to Morocco and, um, and to Ghana and to Cape town, South Africa and some more. I mean, I feel like I'm listing like every country, but I want to be like, I'd like to go back to China at some point. Um, Like Japan, Thailand, those places, but they're not like my next priority. They're not the places I want to go next. Mm. Um, I think next I'm more interested in places that have more nature. So like I want to go to Alaska. I want to go to Iceland. Mm. Um, And then I've never been to Paris. I'd love to go there. That's that's not a nature place, but just like a place that I want to go. Right. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I feel like I haven't gotten out. There are still a lot of the big places that I haven't gotten out of the way. And so I kind of want to do those so that then I could get to the more like fun kind of mm-hmm. unique little getaways.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's okay to have a lot of places you
1: want to go. Like, you know, I mean, it's out there. So it's understandable to want to go and see it, see it all. So hopefully you'll be able to do that. At some point, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's yeah. hard to foresee right now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope at you some do. point. Yeah, as far as uh, studying abroad in in China and Spain, um, wondering if you have any. Oh wait, no, sorry. I was going to ask you about like how you afforded doing that, but you mentioned how financial aid carried over for that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. was, was there anything yeah. else that
1: you did to be able to afford doing that in, in terms of like? for spending money or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So everything that was covered by the financial aid, um, in Spain, I remember I did run out of money and I think I ended up maybe taking like a small loan from mm. my school or something like that. And then I think my dad helped me a little bit, like maybe send me a, a few hundred dollars. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's all.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really simple. Um, and then what about, like, more generally? Is there any advice that you would give to someone who wants to study abroad like you did? Any advice yeah. you might want to share, major takeaways that you would like to
0: impart? Yeah. I think that because I had such a hard time with culture shock, I I would encourage people to just talk to other people that have studied abroad that can give you more information and advice about it. Mm. Um, I... I think studying abroad can be an amazing thing, but I also think it can be really challenging. And I think people don't really talk about that part so much because, you know, people focus so much on like, oh my God, you get to go to like China or you get to go to Spain, which is like, yeah, so exciting and amazing. And like, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity, but I also wish that I had had the tools to kind of enjoy it more. And I think that might've come if I had kind of, prepared myself beforehand, talk to more people, talk to my mentors and also set up sort of an established like support group, you know, like Mm -hmm. set up a Skype call with like a friend that's somewhere out, like a close friend that's somewhere else once a week or like, call your parents, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which often people don't like to do, but I think we need it more than we, than we like to think. Like whoever it is that you're close to, I think you should kind of make a plan to really connect with them on a regular basis because it'll, it'll make the experience easier. Um, or not. I mean, there are some people who literally can just jump into anything and be super happy and (laughs) not have any difficulties and kudos to them. And I wish I was some of those types of people, but I think that for people who are like me, who maybe stop struggle with like mental health challenges or who, you know, um, don't are, are just have a harder time adapting to things very quickly. I think it's important to kind of set up safeguards around the, the culture shock and the, the, the loneliness, I think that might come.
1: Yeah. No, that's actually really important. I appreciate you, um, saying that, um, you know, having that sense of, a support or community in place can help people feel uh, grounded or stable or you know just not so just kind of out there floating around by right. yourself so right yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah re- very good um, advice so I appreciate you mm-hmm. sharing that alright um, well then my last question is you know where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so
0: sure I'm on twitter at bycdl B Y C D L. Hmm. Um, and I'm on Instagram at, con- at misconception. So at M I S S C O N C E P C I O N. Um, and that's it. I don't do TikTok or anything like that cause I'm too old. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that's all I-, I would welcome people reaching out that way or following along. I'm not a big tweeter, but, um, people should follow for my work and stuff like that mm-hmm. if they're interested. Yeah. For sure.
1: For sure. Okay. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, I guess that's all that I have for you today. That's it. So (laughs) I hope you- Well, it was so good to speak
0: with you, Danielle. And I I really appreciate you thinking of me.
1: Oh, yeah. I appreciate you, um, you know, setting aside the time to speak with me. I really enjoyed- hearing about what you've done and um yeah i really enjoyed this so
0: thank you again for your time yeah no problem i always feel when i talk about study abroad like i'm such a downer because i'm just like it was hard you know but i (laughs) i think yeah (laughs) because everyone's always just like it was amazing best time of my life and i was like i mean yeah it was but also like (laughs) i wish it would have been a little easier for me you know yeah i think it
1: would be help will be helpful for people to hear that like if you struggle when you're going when you're abroad it's okay like it's yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like there's something wrong with you or you're doing it wrong so <laughs> yeah. um no i well, think that's helpful as well
0: yeah well thank you so much again for um for thinking of me for taking the time and um you stay well okay we'll be in touch yes yeah
1: you as well you take care all right <laughs> okay bye 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 concepcion all right y'all There it is. Thanks to Concepcion for being such a wonderful guest and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are, and you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, in two weeks, <laughs> almost had to think about it. It's always two weeks. Uh, the next episode in two weeks, uh, the guest for that episode will be someone who has been all over the world to dozens of countries in various capacities, studying, living, working. And it all started with a trip to Egypt so you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks but until then thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time